We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Tuesday morning. It's February 23rd, and we got a weird one to talk about today. Uh, it's not often you do a podcast about the team having a player who scores 62 points and losing. I've got Jace Frederick here with me um, to, to dive into this one. Jace, to to talk about this game, there's there's multiple different factors. Obviously, right, the umbrella piece here is Cat has 62 points, 44 in the first half or whatever, and how that you know adjusts the entirety of how the that game is played. Um, obviously, Carl scoring 62 points is not the reason the Wolves lost the game. It's going to be the externalities off of that. What I have written down is no defense in the game, Ant completely removing himself from the game, Mike Conley not playing, um, and then how Chris Finch, I guess, managed that game uh, from a from a coaching standpoint. What sticks out to you? And we'll, we'll, we'll touch on all those things over the course of this episode. But what what sticks out to you as whether it's one of those things or something else as to why? this team was able to lose a game where their star player scored 62 points. I think as I watched the game, I was like, well, they finally got caught. Um, and just in the sense of not like, not even so much this year, but let's just think in like the last year or two, how many times at like the ends of games or something, they start doing stupid things to get people points. Like mm-hmm. Ant usually, you know, like he needs 40 or whatever. And then it's just like, Ant's like coming to the ball and getting the ball and firing up anything. And it's like, it's a 12 point game guys. Okay. It's a six point game. Like, that Spurs game last year where Greg Popovich got ticked or two years ago, whatever it was, um, trying to get Ant like 40 points or some really meaningless number. Um, and they almost lost because of it. And it was like, what are you guys doing? It's like, okay, I guess, you know, you're a little younger. It's a learning lesson. Mm-hmm. They did it for three and a half quarters on yeah. Monday night. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, yes, Carl had a great first quarter. And from then on, and he had a great first half. But it was just like, get Carl the ball, get Carl the ball, get Carl the ball. They literally stopped playing basketball. Like, they didn't mm-hmm. play basketball for most of that night. And it leaked into their defense and it leaked into their offense. It was like, you can do these things. You can ride a hot hand and still play basketball. Um, 
Philly did it just fine. Uh, sure. You know, like it, <laughs> they do it every game. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's maybe that's just kind yeah. of status quo for them. But Minnesota was like, it was like, oh, it's not my night to shoot it. It's like, no, it's your night to play basketball. Uh, I, I was going to I was going to say, I think it's important that if people haven't like seen any of the quotes and stuff out of the locker room, that this isn't just Jace like saying this. The, the players cop to admitting that they just got out of the way and watched it, namely Thanks. your superstar player. Let me let me play the ant clip okay. and then, then keep going. We weren't focused. In terms of you didn't focus? We wasn't focused from jump at all. We was never focused. Cat just had a great night, and we wasn't focused, though. He started out, obviously, started out on fire. Did you think that it turned, the focus turned from winning the game to just trying to, just to, trying to get him? Yeah, for sure, I think. Yeah, once he hit his first six, seven shots, I think everybody was pretty much just trying to see him go get 100 points. I knew I was, so, yeah. This team has been so mature for most of the year and handled Immature tonight yeah yeah for sure you know it's like it's like that quote then goes on twitter and people are like you know do like head face palm memes and whatnot and they're like oh my gosh it's like why do you need to hear him say it if you watch the game you saw it he didn't right. I, he could have said anything and i would be like i don't care what you said there i saw the game and uh, you knew the game was immature yeah, yeah yeah and so like great that he copped to it because like it's not like oh you can't be thinking that it's like if you watch the game and think thought anything other than that, then you, I don't know what planet you were on. Like, it was literally like, it looked like he was just assist hunting. It looked like he was trying to be like, man, I can get to 15 assists tonight. Um, yeah, was... that was interesting, right? Like, th there was part of me in the second quarter or whatever. And th this was wrong, but I did, I had, I genuinely felt this thought where I'm like, you know, there's something kind of cool about Ant's willingness to like let Cat go. I, I was thinking that early, I do early on in the game. That. And, I do and particularly that. when you when you think about the like, you know, there are he's got forty five million dollars, whatever, on the line for making All NBA this year, and taking a game where he literally had zero points until there was like two minutes and thirty seconds up in the third quarter. Like, just as getting that money, you know, having a zero point game is going to hurt your averages. It's going to whatever all those sort of things. And I was like, oh, Ant is like. Ant is openly and willingly doing this, and he's just empowering Cat, blah, 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 whatever. <clears throat> and then that shifted for me in the third quarter. When I did, I was like, okay, he's decided to not get points, but he is assist hunting here. There, there was like, there's the most blatant, like, not taking shots that I've seen. It's like, it looked like in Ant's head, he wanted to have zero points in the game where Cat had. 60 something and and that was all like that's the disrespect in the game that finch talked about after the game right it's like that there was i liked what it was doing i actually really liked the first quarter i really liked the first half and, and going to to cat in the way they did because it was just like leaning into something that's working and it was opening up other things but then i do really think it started with ant of just leaning into all the bad things about what that game was and yeah, just just not taking it seriously and and caring about the wrong things and not caring about defense. He was kind of the poster boy of that last night too. Yeah, it's like okay, if you're not going to score tonight, if that's going to be your prerogative, like I don't agree with just passing up anything like mm -hmm. ever. Um, trying to manipulate the game for someone's stats, your own stats, whatever. Do something else then. Like okay, I'm not going to score tonight, so I'm going to defend my butt off. You mm -hmm. know, like I'm going to I'm going to try to grab ten rebounds to go with these assists. Like I'm going to you know, drive and dish to cat for like layups, whatever, like kick out for open threes. It wasn't that it was on offense. It was just like, I'm going to pass and just sit here. 
on the perimeter. And on defense, sure. I'm going to sit here on the perimeter. Yeah. Like, this is just kind of my night off. Mike took a night off. I'm going to kind of do that, too. Um, yeah, it was it was super immature on his end. And Carl then, like, was once Carl gets in the mode of, like, they're feeding me. They want me to shoot it. Um, it becomes really hard for him, I think, to switch it. And then, no, I should keep making the right play. Uh, he's He gets very caught up in it as well and just started taking some hideous shots um at terrible times and yeah i don't know i, I just the fourth quarter that was pretty much the fourth quarter where we got i would say late late, 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 late third, third yeah. there were a couple um yeah. and then the, like actually right before the six minute mark in the third is when he always subs out so finch mm-hmm. subbed about then too yeah. but nas reed went to the scores table after carl took a terrible shot through a double team mm-hmm. and that's yeah. when nas went in for his regular thing so there was a hint of it in the third and then the fourth when the lead really started to slip away that's when it was like you know, the lights were flashing like, oh, God. Uh, and, and Finch kind of, I mean, Carl had been in for a while, but pulled him with three minutes left in the, the game, too, after another yeah. one of those four shots. And you're like, OK, there's Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, kill Alexander Walker and Anthony Edwards on the floor here with two and a half minutes to go. And it's uh, <laughs> part of that is part of that is very much, I think, like, well, we can't match up with them defensively otherwise right now. Uh, that that was that that was the the bad part of, of Carl's game. I mean, even in the first quarter, it was, I, I don't know. I have to go through like the, the tracking stuff, but I mean, he scored 62, but his man was probably responsible for 38, 40 points in this game. It was one of, it was one of Carl's worst defensive games of, of the season for, for sure. And, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's somewhat of a, a trade off there. I asked him about that after the game, you know, like if you're scoring 60, like how much can you, you know, can you do defensively? And, and he didn't lean into that that much, obviously. But yeah, um, I would. He scored fifty against the Hawks once, and Mike Muscala scored like twenty six on him. Yeah, so yeah. it's not. Yeah, you know, like and that that fun. well, that's just like that's not even necessarily a cat thing. That's the you know most guys who score fifty probably aren't doing right much on the defensive end. But in that game, you needed it. He didn't get picked up by his teammates. That's the point. Is like if he was going to play this way and have this type of game, then actually, if if you're Carl's teammate and you want to empower him to go get 80 points or whatever, how you do that is guard, you know, right, right. and <clears throat> just shore that end of the four up. So, so you can win the game when, right. when your, your teammate is, is doing so if he's, that. So if he's taking a terrible shot in the fourth, you're up 20 and it doesn't matter, you know, yep. versus like, Oh, we're up mm-hmm. six and we're taking right. terrible shots with seven minutes left. Yeah. So I just, the, the bad shot thing, I'm sorry. It it frustrated me to no end because it was so not required. Because, like, why was he even in the post in these points where doubles could come? Literally, the first half was just was hot oh, the floor. Pick and pop. Yeah, yeah, right, top, yep. Pick and pop, top of the floor. Either Charlotte just didn't cover him on the pop because Charlotte doesn't communicate yeah, that was again, anything. You had a great wild. clip. Or, like, and if and if anybody even just like took a jab step to contest the three, Carl just walked by for a layup. Like, <laughs> I liked, I loved your clip of like, uh, Cat's got, got 48 or whatever, but Lamelo's making sure Jade McDaniels doesn't get that three. <laughs> I've never seen a team I, yeah. care less about help defense. I mean, like literally, like look at PJ Washington, like got cooked again, man. Yeah. You know, like, like what are you doing? I had it, my guy covered. Like, it was bizarre how the only person in Charlotte gear that seemed at all bothered by Carl having 40 points in the first half was Steve Clifford. Yeah, yeah, like. There the was, second half bridges, but the first yes. half, Steve Clifford. It was, yes. yeah, they're calling timeouts, and they're, I mean, they could not, 
I mean, they had no centers in this game. Like that's a, you know, that's a big reason why this happened. And they just had nobody who understood how to navigate pick and pop action. And then like, that was actually what was really encouraging to me about the first half. It was like, all right, Cat and Akil have this pick and pop action game working. And then, you know, they're trying to load up on it a little bit more. So Rudy like inserts himself into the play where he's like, okay, it's Cat and Nikhil pick and roll here or pick and pop. And I'm going to go screen bridges off of the pop because now he's going to be scrambling back to get to Cat. And there was just like some of those where you're like, wow, like let's put this down on film. This is a pretty much undefendable action if they run this more, which they never do this stuff. Like the Wolves do not use Carl Anthony Towns and pick and pop at a high volume whatsoever. He's a middle of the pack frequency three-point shooter in the NBA. You know, he's not a high volume three-point guy. And I thought there were so many things you could take from that first half of being like, man, there are opportunities here. Like this is how you play to stop being a below average offensive team. You put this more into your mix it, in the first half, Chase. And I'd say I, I know, I know. I don't care. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I know you're excited about it. It's great. Did you watch Charlotte play defense in that half? I mean, like, I've never seen a team try less. In the At least in the second half, like, Thor showed a little pride, and that's when Carl picked up an offensive foul on the drive because there was some resistance. Like, you I understand think, the action was cool. Running... There was no resistance yeah, to okay. anything. I... You could have run anything you wanted to, Dane, and it didn't matter. I... It didn't matter. I hear that. I hear that. Do you not agree that running that type of action for Carl Anthony Towns so he takes some damn threes is not part of the answer for making this team yes okay an above yeah. average offense that is inexcusably a below average offense right i i agree with that i think yeah. i yes you can mix it in and it'll bump it a little bit i think to think you're going to ever achieve any type of those results on any consistent basis against a real defense um oh not okay not, sorry I'm you're not going to replicate anything like anything even close to that but a couple times a game yeah. mixing it in with certain lineups and whatnot to make it, you know, like here's an answer for us in certain spots for sure. Like much better than what a lot of what they do. I think yeah. Carl at the top of the floor and different ways you can be like that is, is you can't better. double him there. Yeah. You yeah, can't double yeah. him there. He is. Yeah. That, that was, sorry. That's why I started talking about this. You started talking about him going into the post and trying to get points in the post yeah. and getting doubled there because Carl has not learned how to handle that yet. Right. He, he, that has been, you know, three, four years. I mean, actually it's, it's dated back to the 2017, 18 playoffs where the Rockets, started doubling him in the post in the first round and it completely shut him off. Like there is a way there is a book out there. I've talked to other team scouts about this. They go, if we're ever worried about, you know, Carl Anthony towns doing this, we know we can shut that off with double teams whenever he's on the interior. He, that is, you know, and that might hurt us elsewhere. Like somebody else might start making some threes or get ant going, maybe get some Rudy lobs, whatever. But <clears throat> there is not a, the Wolves do not have an action that they can go to over and over again to empower Carl to generate offense because they frequently do not use him as a three-point shooter. Or he does not use himself as a three-point shooter. My point of this was maybe this is an action that you can run more of, lean into more in your offense that can get you good offense through Carl Anthony Towns that is better than what you normally get by giving him to the ball in the post or telling him to drive to the basket where you know he fouls and turns it over and all those sort of things. I, I think this is the path to playing better offense with Carl Anthony Towns. You're right it's not going to be anywhere as obviously as easy as it was against the Hornets. Yeah it was um, I agree that 
pick and pops where it's catch and shoots with some semblance of space, that's the best answer because like mm-hmm. that is the thing that you can replicate. The the step out blow by drive is not in the sense that mm-hmm. most teams have a defender, even smaller ones, plenty of small defenders give Carl all sorts of fits. Uh, but you have to be willing to be some type of physical and right. Washington and Bridges were just like, well, I don't want to play defense. Um, and so then that led to layup, 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 layup. Uh, but I agree that it is at least a way to generate some threes, like mm-hmm. even quick trigger, whatever, um, the space to get it off. That still, though, is like a mindset thing for Carl. And like, yeah, they all went last night and it was easy and it was great and, and cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think you've got to find a way to generate it against good teams. And maybe that action will get you a few looks. I asked Kat about it after the game, just this kind of just about three point volume. But he did say they're looking to get more of that. More of a driving to the basket season for you than a three-point. I think it's one of your lower three-point volume seasons. Yeah. Um, does it performance like this, where you know you, you know you're just taking maybe more difficult threes, mm-hmm. feed it all into like, all right, I, I can boost my three-point volume two ways, or is that even a good idea or not? Right? Are you comfortable with that? I think it's a good, it's a good assumption. I just, it's, it's been. I feel like a. This three like three point shooting game. I'm not talking about the makes. I'm just talking about the attempts. It was was on the horizon for a while. You know, I've been talking to the coaching staff a bunch and my teammates, and I understand the challenge they want me to take, which is shoot more threes. And it was, was one of those nights where I decided. You know, I wouldn't say decided, but the more threes was given to me, and I had really good looks at them, and I chose to shoot them over driving and just take what the defense was giving me. Um, Here's the thing: chose to take what was given to you. Everything was given to him. But so that's the thing for me is like, it has to be a shift of like, even when it's not an obvious time to take one against like better teams, you still have to be comfortable taking it. So if, if that is what like turns the faucet to on for him, great. But I'm going to believe it more when I see it against like yeah. a, you didn't, you had some space to get it. It wasn't an obvious shooting situation. I need to see like, uh, you really flip the switch and understood that this is your role in the offense. And like, like a lot of great shooters out there, some breathing room mm-hmm. is enough. You know, yeah. like it can just be like a step where it's like, you know, like a lot of guys where it's like, I, I'm just able to get this off. So I'm going to take right. it. And like, until Carl develops that, then I, mm-hmm. that's when it's going to be required for me to believe that any like revelation has been made. Yeah. Like we, we always talk about this where and I don't think Carl's actually not shooting threes over the course of a game or a season because he's like, oh, these ones are more difficult and that's going to get my three point percentage. No, no. I don't think that's what he's doing, but I think he's just like, like, I think he's just like, this isn't a good shot. You know, like when he, I think he needs to be flipped up. This is a good shot. I like, this is super distilled down, but I think he goes, is this a shot? I think I have a fifth over 50% chance of making, even if it's a three. Like, I literally think that's where his, his head is typically at in, in shooting those. Otherwise let's pump and go. Like, cause I believe if I I can get a pump and go 50% of the time, like or more than that, and now you know ones were three, ones were two, whatever. But I think if that is some of the thinking, rewiring some of that to be like, hey, maybe there is just value in you shooting nine threes tonight, just to shoot nine threes tonight. We're gonna run design pick and pop action with Mike or Ant, or you know, we are going to hammer this action over and over again in the middle of the third quarter where you're in the corner there, and you're probably gonna get two or three like. I, I really think as much as we, you know, point the finger at Ant for getting the turnovers under control and some of that stuff and the rewiring that he needs to do to to make that 
like it's just the sacrifice and the change that these two players, the two best players, two best offensive players on the team uh, need to make to elevate what has been a bad offensive team this season. And I, I actually like it makes sense in my head that this could move the needle for him. What did you say? Turn the key or whatever that it's like, OK, I can shoot more than six threes a game. I'm Carl Anthony Towns. It's like you, you need to be shooting. This is his lowest three point shooting season since. Uh, since since like, the you. 17, 18. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know. Like, I was talking about this with Britt yesterday. I mean, this isn't true after last night, but Nas coming into the game last night had played 400 fewer minutes than Carl this year and taken and making more threes yep. than yep. him. You know, and, like, yeah, there's a little bit of a change in how they're guarded, but, like... Not really. I mean, in, right, you know, like for Nas, it's coming off of, like, ball rotation, catch and shoot. You know, like, Carl's getting those same opportunities when, when the ball does rotate. It's just Nas is never going to give you that like jab, jab. Right, like, right. am I am I coming? Am I no, going no. right here? You know, like either playing off the catch or shooting. Like, right, there is right. no jab. Yeah, right. It's. I mean, I think we both agree that Nas is more adept at playing within the flow of an offense. Sure, sure, sure. Carl and, and Carl's more adept as a shooter. Better at pick a pop game. You know, like the, the, right. that's the the trade. But it's like for the two of them, if you could kind of meld some of that stuff together, like. I don't know. Nas would get better at what he's better at. It, it does like the, the the difference between them as shooters levels out a little bit when Nas is at least willing to take it and understands when to take them. Like that yeah. makes that makes you a better shooter if you understand mm -hmm. when to take them. Well, and, and even when Nas be. is taking bad ones, you're like, oh boy, like maybe Nas shouldn't play. You know, like when, yeah, yeah, yeah. when yeah. it's it, it is kind of that that uh but it's still a bad catch and shoot three, you know? Like I'm yeah. I'm still like, yeah, you weren't it wasn't really there, but you know it, it, it's one of those things yeah. where, like, if 80% of the ones you take are good, then I wouldn't want to rewire it to where you're thinking too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me uh, let me grab our first break here. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. If you're watching on YouTube, we have their schedule uh, up on the, the screen for the week. Uh, they have, obviously, they, they have the Wolves and Wizards game on, on Wednesday, Wolves and Nets game. On Thursday, Wolves and Spurs on, on Saturday. Those are all road games. Uh, so you're obviously not going to be at, at Target Center for those. Those are opportunities to to go watch the Wolves there. But also, uh, the main thing we want to kind of be pushing right now is they are having a Super Bowl party. Uh, if you do not have Super Bowl plans, Falling Knife has uh, is having a, a Super Bowl party. That is, it's a $50 ticket is all you can eat. Uh, rectangle pizza, wings nachos, uh, that sort of food, plus that $50 ticket comes with uh, two pours of anything, uh, two beverages that you would, uh, that you want from there, Otherwise, or uh, a pitcher of beer uh, is another option in substitution for that. So if you are interested, uh, don't have Super Bowl plans, and uh, want to check out Falling Knife uh, for that, you can get a ticket in advance, um, go to their Instagram, at FKBC, and the link for those tickets is in their bio there. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. Jason, I want to talk about Mike Conley. Um, as like, I was... I just love that it, the game circled back to where we could talk about Mike Conley after he didn't play. Yeah. But it did. Only way so like, but happen. it genuinely did, right? Am I, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this I isn't agree. just like us being like, oh, no. Mike Conley again. Like, now for the Mike Conley segment. Yeah, but, but it like... I, I mean, the Boston game was good. Right, mm -hmm. the yes. Mike Conley didn't play yep. until it wasn't, you right. know, and and it was the immaturity. It was this stuff, you know, focused on the end of the game in Boston, you know, in the end of regulation and overtime, 
where they missed Mike Conley. Obviously, last night they missed Mike Conley to kind of there was just so many instances. I I even at the time was like, all right, I think Mike would have just been like, maybe we're just gonna go to me and, me Rudy, and Rudy pick and roll in the yeah. like like two possessions in a row. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um and it would have been a dunk for Rudy against Charlotte last night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly I think I said this at one point. I was like, Carl had like 40. I'm like, honestly, if they came into the game with the mindset of like, let's get Rudy 20 dunks, they could have done that. Mm-hmm. That's true. They could have done anything. Like they yes. could have because could have said I'm gonna score 60, and he could have just driven to the hoop and laid it up. I mean, yeah. like it was, Man, I it don't was know deep. that he could have got 60. I mean, no, no, you're right. You're right. Because like he requires a lot had, of shooting. Yeah, he could have had a, a big game and that, that's just why they shouldn't have lost this game is how bad Charlotte is defensively and was indifferent defensively in that game. Until and then randomly in the fourth quarter, Charlotte was like they made a few shots and then they're like, maybe we could win. And yeah. I don't really like what Minnesota's doing uh to us. Let's try a little bit. Um Yeah. I it, it's it just leads to the whole interesting Conley conversation, right? Mm-hmm. About like how valuable is he to this team? And we don't even need to do like the going into next season sort of thing. We've talked about that a bunch. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is its own thing. But Mike Conley this season, and I don't know, you know, a lot of that, that game got a lot of eyeballs on it last night. So you see some of the national people tweeting about it after the game, and it's like number one need for this team is backup point guard. And like obviously that's maybe like a that, that is a need, and they only have J Mac there, but it isn't necessarily a backup point guard that they need. They need to play the way they play with Mike Conley on the floor when Mike Conley isn't on the floor. And I don't know if you just go get like Monty Morris, if you or whatever, you know, that you still got that Mike Conley thing that you need in the 15 minutes a game that he sits out. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't yeah, I don't know if this it is a problem um, of how they play without Mike Conley can be solved by just getting a, a backup point guard. I, I think they need literally Mike Conley to to be able to, you know, to sustain in these games. Um, when Minnesota played in Charlotte in December, Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels didn't play. Uh, Minnesota trail late and they won by six. And it was because they made nine shots in the fourth quarter and Mike Conley scored or assisted on six of them in the final 90 seconds. They had the ball at three points. Um, Cat took a bad shot. The next time down Conley got the ball, ran a pick and roll with Gobert and then Conley got an and one out of it. I remember that same yeah. team didn't have Ant, didn't have Jaden had somebody who just knows how to, how to play late in games and one. I mean, like it's, Sometimes it's it just kind of sometimes feels like he's a little bit of like a linchpin for what they have because like I think his mere presence hides a lot of immaturity. Like they they haven't looked immature much this season, and then they just do. Um, and then they do, and it's when Mike Conley's not out there. It's like he is such a requirement, I think, for them to have fewer of these super dumb looking performances. Yeah. Um, it, it's like wow, they've done so much better against bad teams. All this stuff. It's like I think Mike Conley just being out there is a big reason for that. We talk about how Rudy dominates the games in the interior and stuff. And like, it's still true last night, grabbed a bunch of boards and whatnot. Wasn't as great defensively, um, but it's hard to be when there's literally no resistance. Uh, I just like, 
I, th- I think if they didn't have Mike out there, they would probably have like six more losses. Um, well, I, I think they're last year's team. Yeah, I agree with that. And, but, and I, 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 that's where it's just like, well, what's changed? It's like, oh, it's really locked in defensively and all this stuff. It's like, well, what changed is you got Mike Conley in February, mm-hmm. and it took a little bit of time. Um, but now, and Ansel, Ansel, Ansel grown some, um, and probably because of Mike. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I think Rudy has obviously grown some and improved, but that's largely because of Mike too. So everybody sees Mike and Rudy work, you know, and then you're like, oh. And I, I you know what I honestly think Rudy's so healthier too. for sure. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, major that's true too. Um, I think Mike Conley is just one of the best players in the NBA. And I just don't think we that registers with us in terms of like winning. Finch used the term winning quotient a couple of games. Yeah, so yeah. It just has one of the highest winning quotients. I don't mean that like he's a top 10 player, but like, you know, you, you pull a hundred people who watch the NBA, they decently frequently and are smart. And I, honestly, even if you, you talk to, I, I guess let's put us in that smart category and watch it. Go to, yeah. Like, we we wouldn't yeah. have said that. We wouldn't have said that a year ago. We wouldn't have been like Mike Conley's a top 40 player in the NBA. No, but no. Like, and we thought he was good. I think we were yeah. both very pro like him as a trade target in like a deal trade and everything. Like we saw the Utah Minnesota games. It was like Mike Conley's really good. Mm-hmm. But not you don't understand how good until you see just the pure impact on a team on a nightly basis. It's because it's not just the it's not just the three point shooter being a 45, 46% three point shooter. It's when he's hitting those shots. Yeah. It's not just that he's a good defender. It's when he's making those good, smart defensive plays. It's not just that this team, you know, needs to be slowed down at times. It's that Mike Conley understands when that needs to happen, like a possession before it happens. And that leads to an extremely outsized impact on the game. And it's one of those situations where you go, man, this is captured in the advanced metrics. Like you go through of like the, you know, who are the most impactful players on this team. And Mike Conley is up there or above uh, even a Carl Anthony Towns or a Rudy Gobert. You know, it's, it's, it's all right there. It's not like there's the big three and then there's Mike Conley and, and Jaden down there. It's Mike Conley is just as much up there and numbers aside, he just, to me, looks every bit as important to this team as those players are, or very, you know, very close to. So, I mean, yeah. think about like clutch time, like they are now negative net rating clutch time for the season. Ant is negative 12.7. Carl is negative 10.7. Where most of those numbers come from the Boston game and mm-hmm. the Charlotte game. Yeah. Uh, and obviously like, I think the Dallas game wasn't awesome, but the Boston game and the Charlotte game were the biggest ones right now. Uh, Mike's not on the floor for either of them. The Boston game for me is like the ultimate, Hey, Mike's not out there. You actually can get bigger and more athletic and maybe match up a little bit better with like a Boston. Um, yeah, Boston's a tough matchup for Mike. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, is the Thunder. Yeah. Yep. Athletic, strong, whatever. Um, Mike's 5'11". Small dude. Yeah. Like yep. he's just not a big guy. So it looks, so it's like, and this is why teams have like gone away from point guards. They're like, we can like just have somebody else bring the ball to court. And we don't, we have a bunch of guys who are at most like six mm-hmm. That's smallest, like six four. We match up with anybody. We can switch a bunch of things, all this stuff. Yeah. Like that's why Boston did it, um, and it's great for forty five minutes. But how many times do we see Boston fall apart in the playoffs, late in games? And now, how do we see Minnesota fall apart late in games? Because like a floor general matters. Um, and for Minnesota, I think like they would show up a lot more if there wasn't a floor general out there. So yeah, it, like you can be bigger defensively. You know, like 
even even better like even match up with literally anybody um but then you fall apart when it matters and that's why when you say like mike conley is one of the best players in the nba mike conley is one of the most important players in the nba it's like because do you want to win the close games late or do you not or do you just want to look good for 45 minutes because you know like ant cat whatever like it's gonna look great for 45 minutes but not when it actually matters this game this type of clutch performance happened all the time in the first it, five months of last season before they traded for Mike. Two Cox. years ago. Yeah. It's, they lost in the Memphis series. They, they, and the entire season Kat, up to it, the Memphis series because they Kat and Ant have right a now. lot of strengths, but they struggle still at this element of the game, the end of games, the, the shifts that have to happen there um, to be thinking about the game differently than the previous 43 minutes of the game. They do. That, that is not, a strength of Anthony Edwards or or Carl Anthony Towns is pretty, and you just listed off their clutch time numbers this season. They're horrible. The, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean they're horrible players, right? It means they need somebody who's good at that to balance them out. And Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, who are probably a step down overall from them of Cat and Ant as players, are really good at that. And um, and it's not just Mike; it's 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 Rudy too. I am. So impressed by Rudy in the last five minutes of games. I literally think that switch on the Lomelo ball at the end of the game is one of the best defensive plays I've seen, mm-hmm. like, ever. And certainly, the, like, this season, given the time, score, situation, other best players good at exactly that, attacking bigs and switches, uh, as Lomelo is to completely shut that off. I mean... It's why, in many ways, this roster is constructed well. As great as Carl and Ant are at the things that they're great at, they need to be supported by two players like Mike Conley and and Rudy Gobert, at least for now. You know, yes. maybe Ant and Cap mature, and that that changes over time. Maybe Ant matures. I mean, Carl's old enough. Mm-hmm. Carl, I, I mean, you can you got to stop talking. Like Carl is who he is at this point. You're at this point in your career, like you are who you are. Yeah, I mean, the only. The only thing, and, and I'm, I'm not just doing the like pining for cat thing here. I'm just, I wonder with cat if he can learn from being on a good team, a great team like this team is. And if they lose this year, can he have a, a mentality shift? I'm, I'm, I'm with you that that's probably like unlikely. Uh, it, it's kind of the, the main thing I think with Ant too, you know, only 22 years old, like, a lot of these things that we say, you know, Ant probably needs to change, become like a superstar MVP type caliber player. Um, I wonder if he has to lose in the playoffs because of it to change. I wonder that with Ant. And I wonder if some of that is 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 true with Carl too. Like if you lost a playoff series because of something that like this that happened last night or the Boston game, you know, does that hurt enough to change some wiring inside oh, of you if you're so Carl, the Boston game bears. the Boston game you're talking about the whole Memphis series yeah I think it really flipped the switch for him I'm just I mean I, they, I, threw, I, they blew three double digit fourth quarter leads and no, you come I, back to Boston two years later and you're doing clearly things, clearly so it didn't know. I'm just saying I less so believe it with Carl Anthony Towns I'm saying it is extremely likely 28 years old he is is what it is I'm not but I don't know I mean maybe there's a small way it could change with Ant yeah that happened in the Memphis series but he was 20 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, no, no, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I don't think he's really changed any way that he approaches late game spots. Ant, um, sorry, Ant or Carl? Ant. Um, no. Sometimes he'll kick out in an obvious situation um, and whatnot. So that's 
that maybe is like some improvement. So I still have hope for Ant doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Carl, it's just like he's got pros, he's got cons. I think you just have to swallow it as like this in a vacuum. Here's who he is, and that's it's what it is. And you decide yeah. what, what it, you want to do with that. To be clear, that's totally the way I'm leaning, and I think it's ninety percent that. I get, and maybe it's just being optimistic or something. It is a hope that like more in the crucible of a year where you could maybe go to the finals. And if you don't, because of some things, maybe that rattles something and changes. I, I don't know. Um, Cause Carl, both, both Carl and Ant need to change these things, you know, like they need to change these things. And I guess what I'm asking in my head is what could instigate that change. That's, that's the question. I mean, I think just for me, it's like, this team could win like a championship, I still think. Um, and I I think their hope is just that Mike's out there and safeguards it for everybody. You know, like, yep, we've got these guys with these major warts at the most important times of games, but we also have Mike. Um, and so maybe he can steer the ship. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if when push comes to shove um, late in games in the playoffs, Chris Finch is much more assertive and goes, give it to Mike. Give it to Mike. Give it to Mike. Ant, like, you're not bringing it up. Stop coming back for the ball. Give it to Mike. We will get you a shot in the offense. I think, like, there are so many things that people are annoyed with with Chris Finch. Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do this? It's just you can't do it in game 42 of a regular season. Um, it's it's those, like, little shifts that are much harder. I'm not – well, I guess I shouldn't say you can't. But yeah. they're harder to make. Like, levers are harder to pull because then you've got a whole full season to play and you hurt feelings and whatnot. And, um it's much easier to do in the playoffs when it's like, no, nope, we're either our season's on the line here. We're going to do what is required to win right now. Today's show is brought to you by Doer. That's D-U-E-R. And why I like to wear Doer is because when I'm choosing what to wear, the key is to be comfortable. That's why I'm loving my Doer jeans. Doer denim is the perfect mix of comfort, style, and stretch. Historically, I haven't been much of a denim guy, but I like these Doer jeans because they aren't so stiff. I have the performance denim athletic straight style in the heritage rinse color. I've been wearing these to games. I brought them on the road trip I was just on because I figured I can wear them to the game. I can wear them out to dinner. Doer also makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch, breathability, moisture absorption, complete with temperature regulating antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. From the performance denim to the no sweat jogger, I can find a pair that fits any occasion. Plus, Doer values sustainability and uses 85% plant-based materials for natural softness and comfort. Upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of Doer jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, Shop. D-U-E-R dot com slash Dane Moore. All one word, my name. This is an awesome deal. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I want to talk about Finch. Um, like how much blame in this one goes, you know, goes on to Finch in the like couple of minutes I spent scrolling through Twitter, like replies to, you know, Finch had that. Actually, let me just, this is the way to start talking about Chris Finch is to, to play the beginning of his, his press conference from last night. I thought you were going to scroll through Twitter live. <laughs> Chris, what happened in this one to let it slip away? Well, I mean, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump. So this is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. You saw that from the beginning oh, of yeah. the game right through the For sure, yeah. yeah. How do you go about trying to right the ship when you see it's like that from... My bad. Minute I one. kept, you know, imploring them to try to compete and play some defense. Um, I, I'm just pausing this right now. This is not our audio. This is the audio of the press conference. I apparently Jace just screamed into I the just microphone. screamed into it. <laughs> I'll keep. Uh, let me. Let me go. But no, I'm not going to go back to playing your screaming part. But we'll continue. Fincher. I, I actually want to play this part of the questions because yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people saw the, you know, Finch's like that was despicable. Whatever. Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. Um, and you asked right here some questions about like, well, what did you do about it? And that was what all the responses I was seeing to like that answer from Finch was, well, you're the coach, dude, like make those things happen. This is what Finch said about that. Switching back between man and zone, anything to contain the ball, um, push, you know, get up, get up on the shooters. Um, yeah, just, uh, messages weren't getting through. So like all season when Carl or Ant start the quarter, first quarter off and just scoring a lot of points. It's coming pretty easy. That leads to the team's worst basketball. Yeah. How do you address that? Because there are going to be quarters where it's good when they start out hot, but not have it yeah. lead to bad team basketball from there. I mean, listen, yeah, it's, you're spot on. I mean, there's lots of times when 
just because you've scored two or three or four points in a row or baskets in a row doesn't, you know, obviously we're going to try to feed a hot hand, look for a hot hand, but at some point we got to get back to making the right play. We got to get back to doing the right things. Um, and, uh, you know, let's just, uh, like I said, there's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the, the roster. We totally disrespected a, the game ourselves. Um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So, so did you clip Britt Finch talking to Britt and saying, here's exactly what I said? Yeah, I did. Play that. Yeah. Uh, message at halftime. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I, what I said at halftime was, um, why don't we start getting back to being who we are and play some defense and not let this game fall down to a point where we miss a bunch of shots and they make a bunch of shots and then we're behind. That's what I said at halftime. So, Ed, sitting there post-game, Ant had already talked. He's just talking to Jordan McLaughlin, but at, at an audible volume that anybody can hear. And he just goes, and nothing was yeah. even said about it, he just goes, looks at J-Mac and he goes, that's exactly what he said was going to happen. Me going to miss some shots, they're going to make some shots, and we're going to be de- losing. He said it. That's what happened. Like, just out of the blue, like, like, he hadn't heard that that's what Finch said post-game or anything. He's just, yeah. like, recalling what Finch said at halftime. And he's like, yeah, he was right. <laughs> You know, like, like, and that's why Chase, and that's why the, the <laughs> I I can't I can't put this one on Finch, man. This one was on the players, and I disagree with Finch about some stuff. I think like there is maybe a world in which Finch's style doesn't line up with this roster, and I don't know. Maybe we get to that point. We have that conversation a couple years down the line or from now. I I just think given this roster and how it plays. I disagree personally with the style in which Finch wants this, you know, this team to play offense. Um, I disagree with Finch in, and I'm honestly a little bit disappointed by his insistence in closing games with the guys who are highest in the pecking order salary or whatever, because it seems like don't want to like ruffle feathers there. Like I, I disagree with some things about, about Finch. I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't get to last night being Finch's fault. And yeah, like he subbed in Kyle Anderson for Cat with three minutes left to go in the game. And then Kyle Anderson did throw it out of bounds, <laughs> you know, and that that sucks. But like, I'm telling you, man, if, if you're one of the people who are like, why did Finch put Kyle Anderson in for a defensive sub? Like, watch the defensive clips on Carl in that game, man. They were, Carl is really 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 dropped off as a defender over the last few weeks and was at i mean carl was even carl was doing the tap himself on the chest like my like he yeah. was messing up on defense yeah. consistently clearly there was a time where it was supposed to be help or even a switch yeah kyle anderson on a screen and there wasn't so anderson was just left the trail of open yeah. layup and anderson and he was just like, threw carl. his arms up yeah and, and, and carl was like and, and like credit yeah. to carl who actually isn't a big like that one was on me guy he had like yeah. three or four of those on defense last night. So that that's why Finch put Kyle Anderson into the game. I mean, I, I would have put Kyle Anderson into the game in offense, defensive subs. Like, we talk about all the time, and I really believe this, like, small, fast teams, when Carl's at the four, are going to be really problematic to guard. And, like, Charlotte's not a good team, but, like, stylistically, they are Sacramento and Oklahoma City, you know, small, fast, go, move the ball, Dallas, teams. Dallas without a center in yeah. that game. Two straight, two. Yes, they played two good, teams without centers and they lost. Uh huh. 
Yeah. And I keep saying like small ball and people are like, they lost because this and this. I'm like, okay, but it keeps happening against the teams that don't play centers. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, the, not are, and it's, not it's not because of Rudy. And it's not because of Rudy. It's not because of Rudy, but uh. it's, it's because of, you know, but Rudy's not the one who's out there, but it's the two bigs thing. And it's one of the two bigs oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And it's defensively yeah. like you're giving up anything. Um, and sometimes it's, it's Rudy on offense, unable to punish yes, it, whatever right, on right, the other end. Right. But it just disrupts uh, yeah. everything for them. And they just have not figured it out. And that is a look, especially mm -hmm. like the first round where like the other yeah. team is like, we are outmanned here. They're going to go to that if mm -hmm. they have any capability to do it. Um, because they've seen now Dallas is an inferior team. Like Dallas had a good year. Dallas is an inferior team. Charlotte is significantly inferior and yeah. both teams beat them what what should we be thinking about this this defense right now like well i don't think they can guard anybody when the, the team goes really small um I, yeah. I can't say they can't guard at all but it is way worse it's just they're mm -hmm. just not dominant if you go really small um so it's on them at that point it turns into more of a scoring game uh, what did, so that's where i'm at with that what did you uh what did you think of the i'll play it but the ant like what the defense needs to do question. I want to, I'll, I'll, sure I'll play, I'll play that clip, but uh, Ant was asked about like what is needed to get the defense back on track. I thought this answer was interesting. What do you guys have to do to get back on the you know, right path as far as defensively as well? We want to see the next game, just to refocus. Uh, we just got to stop worrying about offense as a team, everybody, you know, whether we make a shot, miss a shot, not getting the ball, getting the ball. I think that's the main thing is we just focus on Locking up on defense, I think we'll be able to get back on track sooner than later. I kind of do agree with that. I, I think like a lot of the off when there is offensive disconnect, it goes into the other side of the floor. And I think they have more offensive disconnect when they're playing against the bad team where they're like, OK, well, we could all score 30 here. You know, like who's going to you know, who's going to get it? It's a little discombobulating. And then it shows up on the defensive end also because they're like you know how hard do i need to try against charlotte or whatever but i don't know man that was a really bad defensive game four worst defensive games this season the worst one in terms of rank by defensive rating worst one was at phoenix that was that back-to-back -back after golden state next worst one was at oklahoma city the day after christmas which was like a back-to-back -back on like baked goods or whatever um, and then the third worst one was the home loss to the Pelicans where they had absolutely no answer for Zion Williamson, which, you know, the, the biggest rivals to a good Wolves game right now is a back-to-back -back or a scoring playmaking power forward that the Wolves don't have matchups for because of the defensive players they have at the four. And then the next worst game defensively was last night um, against Charlotte and the, you know, the bullet point I have underneath that is not back to back. It's cats 62 point game. And it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is there are these like external factors that really can dysregulate the Timberwolves defense. And that is awesome that the Wolves have the number one defense and it is so clearly the best defense in the NBA. If you're watching the rest of it, just eye test, but it can really get thrown off. And I don't know if that's all like a regular season thing or, you know, can we anticipate it to be fully locked in in the playoffs? But I do think like in the first round, if I had to guess, there will be one or two games where the defense just like isn't there. And that's an interesting thing about defense, where it's like if they were the number one offensive team, I don't think I would go be like saying, all right, this first round matchup against the Mavs or the Rockets or whatever. 
that I would expect there to be one or two games where the offense is bad. It, do you know what I'm saying? Like, there feels like a volatility in this defense, even though it's very good, that is different than being a great offensive team. Does that make sense? Yeah. I honestly think it very much comes down to the cat matchup, whoever it is in a given game. Like, like, like you've said power forwards before, like that, then like they have to, when it's like a Zion or Julius Randall, it's like either cat does it, or they have to like shift around their matchup so much mm-hmm. um, that everybody's kind of at a little bit of a disadvantage because you're just so worried about that best player and how do we best defend him? And now all the matchups are really weird. Right. Um, the same thing was with Memphis um, and whatnot. Like there's a lot of these where it's like, okay, you're guarding you and you're guarding you and none of these are good for any of you, but I think they think it's the best like of treading water. Um, And then like, or it's the really small, like it, where it's it's, to me, like the small ball where there's always a release valve um, where it's just like, you can't constantly pressure everybody because eventually it's going to get to somebody who they've either left open on purpose or like, it's like Rudy's on him and he's just with 16 seconds left on the shot clock, isn't going to be up in their grill. Uh, so I, I just don't think you could be as dominant. And then I do think like just when scoring comes easy, they just shut off. They're like, no, we don't need to do this hard defense thing tonight. That's effort. We don't need effort. We can just score. Um, but I do think like, it's just going to be matchup based. Like if they play Houston, I think the matchups are so natural that I do think they would play pretty good defense for every game. Um, I, I just think there are certain matchups where like when yeah. the other team can just turn off the pressure momentarily within a possession and reset by kicking out to the guy who's not being, guarded or not being guarded tightly and and run like a dribble handoff off that or something um that's much easier for them and, and obviously if you have no centers on the court uh you can do that or like a power forward where the wolves just can't really match up that's a release valve in itself so i just think it's really hard to dominate teams when there is an obvious thing on the court that you know you can go to maybe it's like yeah. a 35 percent three-point shooter just taking an open three um where it it just isn't going to look as great uh and right. that's i think part of the problem it, it does seem like for a team that has this good of a record that like they they are exposed in some ways. And I, I don't know if that that might just be one of those examples of like, you know, we're we're watching this team every single game and we're hyper focusing yeah. on that. And I, I've honestly really wrestled with that. Just like thinking about this year, it was like, am I overanalyzing? Am I overanalyzing and like. Nip-y-key. making that space in the armor where right like that where right, they can right. get stabbed because every team has them, but yeah but i there are so many I, common threads between losses in my mind you know yeah. like that, that mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me that it was charlotte because charlotte just has five shooters on the court at all times you mm-hmm. know and yeah they weren't physical and they didn't even try to defend but minnesota couldn't defend them because it's five shooters on the court which like Minnesota just can't lock them down the same. Even if they brought their best defensive intensity, Charlotte would have gotten a lot of three-point looks last night. This team defensively would be even better if it was eight years ago, ten years ago, where like the the frequency with which you would catch a team. I was like, is... I was like, yeah, yeah, because now it's gonna be fourteen <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, NBA. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I do. I, I think. And it's obviously a great, it's the best defense right. in, in the NBA right now. Right. But it is this type of play, like randomly, Charlotte's like, yeah, you know, we're just going to do no, we'll play no centers against the team with two of them. Dallas did it too in, in that game where they were, you know, without, without Luca. And that just wouldn't happen like 10 years ago. It just wouldn't. 
Um, but it is obviously it is a reality of of this season, and it's a reality of what they're going to face in the playoffs. Even if they don't catch one of the teams that naturally plays small, those teams are going to try to do it. They're going to like try and find themselves. Like Houston will try to find. It's themselves at least going to be like you know, a, like yeah, a, it's at least going to be like a two zero heading back to Houston. First two games you lost by like twelve and sixteen. Houston's yeah. going to be like, what do we do differently? Mm-hmm. We're going to. I mean, you're not going to take Shingun off the court, but you're going to go four around him. You might not play Jamari Smith. Yeah, you know, like, Dallas is probably the the best example of that. Of like a series they clearly would be favored in, and then at just some point they go no five out. I, I can see Dallas doing that from game one. Yeah. Frankly. I, that's that's true. And again, and it doesn't mean that the Wolves would lose to that. No, I still think they would win. I yeah. just think there's a couple games where you'd be like, yep, I lost mm-hmm. that one. I think we could like go six and you'd be like, well, it shouldn't go six. But, you know, every game's going to be like 120 to 110. And it's whether Dallas hits shots or not. Yeah. Which is to the point of like that hole in the armor, whatever that we're talking about here. Like if they do that, they're seeing that to be a bigger hole in the armor or as big of a hole in the armor as, as we do. It's just uh, smaller to- teams. Like we, and, you know, I did the math on open shots, like open or wide open shots per NBA.com. Like in the Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city series, um, it was 164 for Oklahoma city. It's 111 for Minnesota in those three games, like of open or wide open shots generated and taken. Yeah. And like last night, Charlotte had more open or wide open shots um, because it's just like, just the nature of like the way size works out. Like e- they're going to be able to space the floor and find somebody with a pretty decent look. And you're just like, hopefully they don't make this one. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you are defending at a high level, like even if you are, they can kick out to PJ Washington and be like, shoot this one at Gobert. Like it's mm-hmm. not going to be, we just need you to take this shot, this possession. I just have uh, two quick notes to plug in here before we, we wrap this up. We do have two tickets to give away to the Dallas game. Um, on I think that's a week from today or next Wednesday, the the thirty first. Um, again, as we've been doing all year, Patreon subscribers, just send us a message that you are available um, for for that game. Again, that's January thirty first uh, against Dallas, um, and we will give away two two tickets. To that that's our I think that's the next home game, just in general. Um, and then also uh, this the show is presented by by Prize Picks. Uh, there is the NFL slate is is up there. I haven't had the time to go look through specific picks yet. We'll do that later uh, in the week. But but check out uh, for the for the conference championships if you want to get a a prize picks slate put together there. And uh, we always say use the promo code Dane at PrizePicks.com or on the Prize Picks app for a one hundred dollar sign up bonus. I feel like this fifty minutes went fast, and I feel like we didn't hit on some things, but I don't know what those things are that we didn't hit on. Is there anything that's just like lingering in the back of your mind you want to hit before we wrap this? Not from that game. Yeah, it was uh, like a weirdly like that game was just about this I mean, th- thing. They did the same thing for the whole the whole game. I mean, it literally was like, here's what the Wolves are trying to do. Beat mm-hmm. one person. Like, it just that was honestly a game where they probably should have scored like 140 points. Yeah. As a yeah. team. Or Carl might be should have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it. Yeah. No, it's because they, they, they could have if like, if the goal of the game was to score 140 points in that game, they could have. But to yes. have done that, Carl would not have been able to score 75 points. You know, and and that was, yeah, and that's like a. 
an interesting part of this. And, you know, we're all like me and you or people or whatever, kind of like rolling our eyes at the like, well, why did they just let Carl go and do all this stuff? And it's like, man, that's what basketball players do. Yeah. Like yeah, there's, there's, it's like, and in the NBA too, it's, it's not that different. It's like, I uh, got like so-and-so got their 30 or like he got a 50 piece or whatever. Yep. Like that stuff matters. Yep. And, and, and it matters to the good and smart teams. It matters to everyone. You know, mm-hmm. there is, this is the entertainment business and they get paid for the entertainment and they get like Carl will benefit somehow from having a multiple 60 point games in his career now, you know, right. and there, there's right. there. And fans were having the time of their life in the first half. Absolutely, man. Yeah. It was it, it was it was incredible. We yeah. went eight yep. for eight from right. three. Torian Prince. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but like that that's a that's a factor in all this that I like I think is worth acknowledging. Yes. Right. Yep. That 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 stuff matters. It mattered, you know, at halftime when we all had the Philly game on, you know, it mattered to Nicholas Batum and Tyrese Maxey and whatever when when Embiid was sitting there and at 62 points himself in the franchise record it was Wilt Chamberlain at 68 like they empowered him to go do that it 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 happens across the league and to some extent like that's okay it, it's 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 part of the game it's recognizing when the pursuit of that puts the result of the game in jeopardy and getting out ahead of that and, and not letting that happen. And that moment came significantly earlier than when they stopped running the offense completely through cat. Right. Like right. there should have been an awareness to shift that. But I also want to say, I get it. You know, yeah. like if you or me were out there, we'd be like, yeah, man. Like, get let's get Carl seventy. You know, like I would be dribbling would. at Carl and giving him the ball and doing a dribble handoff like screen every possession to be, uh, be annoying. Yes, you know, yeah, like and everyone would. It's it's basketball. It's yelling, it's shoot it. Yelling, <laughs> shoot it. As soon as yeah. I pass it to him, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's just you know, we spent again. We spent fifty minutes being like, why this was bad and why Mike Conley and defense, yeah, yeah, like yeah, all yeah. these sort yeah, of things. Yeah. But like, I know because I'm sure the people listening were like, shut up. It was cool and it was cool. Um, until I get it. it wasn't. It's cool until it wasn't. It's totally just like, and it wasn't when my, cool for when... those guys in the locker room. No, they did. No, they were no, not no, like that. Was no. one that was cool afterwards. No, no. Like, yeah. uh, Ant tried to say it in like the most I'm sad tone ever. Like a shout out to Carl. That was cool. I know. <laughs> you know, like it was like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> glad we at least got that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's yeah. like to me it's like Philly got it, and in my mind, I'm like, well, you can trust Philly. And I think you can trust Minnesota. I just don't think you can trust Minnesota when Mike Conley's not in the game. Yeah. Philly plays that way, like, night to night. Obviously, the Wolves don't play that It is a way total shift for Minnesota, right? Yeah, right. significantly right. more than it right. is right. for Philly. But, again, like, it could be whoever else around the league that was had. If somebody had 34 or whatever in the first half, random player X, their team would try and get them 60 in the second half. You know, like, that's... That, that's part of the game, and I just think we should acknowledge that. And I just can't get past the size thing, man. Like, everybody is going to keep saying it's dumb, but Charlotte swept Minnesota last year. Charlotte almost won in Charlotte this year. Charlotte beat Minnesota last night. Like, so, Charlotte, I said, is their fourth worst defensive rating game of the season. Yeah. It's also their seventh 
worst defensive rating game of the season. There you uh, go. The the yeah. one that they the the last time they played them too. Yep. Like yep. they've gotten burned by the Charlotte Hornets. Five shooters on the court. Yeah. No, it's a it's it is the concern in the, for the number one defense in the NBA. It is something that that can hurt them. And it's it's pretty easy to deduce, you know. You have two big guys, and the rest of your team's pretty big too. And that other t- those other teams, every team can put out a smaller, faster lineup than the right. Timberwolves put out. Ideally, it's just not that. And Charlotte, this is one of the cases. Just the best case, the worst case scenario is that it's Oklahoma City, and those players are talented. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and they're all threats and they're all good and they're all two-way players and whatnot like that's why that's the worst case scenario usually if it's like a charlotte if you just play the game the right way yeah they might score more than other teams do but you can still you'll still win because of other factors um but yeah it's that's that is a weakness for them well jace that was that was a weird one to do an episode on (laughs) you know they gotta yeah you just gotta flush it right you gotta learn from it I just and I I don't know what to say, man. I mean, it it is what it is. It's just like a. I hope that these are things that they do learn from because, like, it was when we watched San Antonio two years ago and everybody has fun with and whatnot, like, and it was just terrible uh, watching like the shots they were taking as San Antonio cut like a fourteen point lead to like five with like and maybe even one possession with like thirty seconds to go. It was like, what are these guys doing? Um, and they just, but, and they always do that when like a statistical thing comes into it, they just can't, they can't like, if you're going to do it, lock in defensively, like I understand that you have to get stops. Like you mm-hmm. can't just stop playing basketball, both ends. Um, and they did that last night and they finally got burned by it. And I just, you hope, like you mentioned the playoff thing, like hopefully that cat and anti ball from playoff losses, like just take things more seriously. Um, when you finally lose a game like this, which mm-hmm. was kind of a long time coming, frankly, uh, no. not just for the season, but the way they handle situations like this in the past. Oh um, yeah. No, that was a great point that like you said of like all the other times where ants had 40 in a game with seven minutes to go. And it's like, can I get to 50? Mm-hmm. Like that's happened. I, I, I don't know, 10 times in the past, like right. something like that over the past three years, uh, with Ant and yeah, it was, it was a great line to start off. Like they got caught, they got, they got caught. They messed around doing that sort of thing before. And hopefully the learning lesson is, or even if you're pinch, you can be like, it, maybe it's on Wednesday and Ant has 40 points in the fourth quarter against Washington. And he's like, all right, like, are we going to continue to keep playing the game? That's got us to this point. Or are we going to try and get Ant 50 points? Because if that game's close and Ant tries to get 50 points, the likelihood that they lose that game goes up exponentially. And I think I do think that 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 right there could be the the learning point of that, or at least Finch has that like in his pocket to point to the Charlotte game, the 62 point cat game. Because right, like this, ha- they haven't really they haven't lost a game for chasing points, right? No, I don't think so. I don't, th- nope. I don't think so. No, nothing comes to my mind. There've been some. Oh, that got way closer. But usually, you're chasing points when you're up like twelve. Exactly. Um, so and and then it's like, oh wow, that got close. Um, mm-hmm. This was more of a weird one of like, yeah, you're up ten, but there's eight minutes left. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. I just think in my, I just really think they thought in no way, shape, or form that they were going to lose that game, and it didn't until like Charlotte took the lead, and they were like, oh, we you did. know, 
yeah, yeah, we might lose this game. Like it wasn't even a thought in their mind that they could possibly lose that game. I was trying Watch- to keep it not a thought in my mind, but I'm like, okay, four points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's and Washington is such a similar trap that I don't think they'll fall into it two games in a row. Right. But. Yeah, no, the, the assumption is still something closer to Portland than what happened against Charlotte when they played yes, these yes, terrible teams. Because yes. it's, I mean, Brooklyn's not terrible, but it's Wednesday is Washington. Saturday is San Antonio, who just gave up 70 points to Joel Embiid last night. Like, there's more of these, I don't even want to call them traps. They're just like holes that you can fall into if your eyes are closed, right? Like, right. Right. The, there, there are those type of games, and yeah, you see the trash right in front of you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, don't step in that. Right, yeah, right, right, right. right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, he's he's Jace Frederick. Follow him on Twitter uh, at trust Jace Frederick. Um, read him over at the the Pioneer Press. Uh, next up, uh, Chris and I are going to talk tomorrow uh, after shoot around. Um, so it'll it'll only come out probably a couple hours before the Wizards game. We'll probably maybe talk a little bit more about this game, but. Also a little bit, you know, more broadly, it's just kind of how we have to make the schedule work uh, with with Chris being on the road. Uh, there won't be a pod immediately after the Wizards game. The plan is Wizards on Wednesday, Nets on Thursday. Kyle and I will kind of talk about both of those afterwards. Uh, and then I'm going to try and get an Oklahoma City person on uh, at the at the end of the week uh, to talk about that next matchup coming up to, I think, that's a, a, a really interesting one to dig into because the Wolves play the Thunder on Monday. But, Chase, thanks for doing it. Went a little long. Appreciate you. Thanks, Dane. Uh, until next time, he's Jace at Chase Frederick. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Until tomorrow with Chris. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.